Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode four of Upon Further Review with Brian Brennan. I am, as usual, your host, Brian Brennan, in the place to be. Happy Friday, folks. We've got a loaded podcast, a great episode ahead for you, folks. Uh, this is, I mean, I'm not, not bragging here, but I think this might be the best one yet of the revived edition of Upon Further Review with Brian Brennan. Uh, we're going to break down the World Series first. We're going to break down, even though that was a couple days ago, we are going to break down the World Series first, um, recap what happened with the Dodgers winning and everything else that happened on and off the field in both game six and, or both game, all the game, all the games. We're going to talk about all the games. We're going to mostly talk about game six. And then um, we're also going to preview NFL week eight. A uh, big week on the horizon for the NFL. We had a game last night, Carolina versus Atlanta. Atlanta won. They finally didn't blow a lead. So, um, yeah, definitely a lot to stay tuned for. Um, happy Mandalorian Day to all who are celebrating, like me. Uh, as soon as this episode ends, I'm going to uh, watch the first episode of The Mandalorian's new season, season two. I've been looking forward to this for a while on Disney+. Plus. So, uh, shout out to everybody else who is uh, watching The Mandalorian today. This is the way. And um, yeah, so I just wanted to get that off my chest too before we start this podcast. Um, happy Halloween to all who are celebrating. I hope you're staying socially distant and safe. Um, doing a good, you know, maybe six feet distance, maybe leave candy outside this year as opposed to having people actually knock on your door. But um, yeah, I've heard that Halloween is actually a pretty socially distant activity considering that everybody's wearing a mask and you're, for the most part, you're not going in, you're, you know, you can just pick up candy outside someone's house. I've heard it's actually a pretty socially distant task, but um, I don't blame people for not doing it this year. Obviously, we're in a global pandemic. There are more important things going on right now. So, um, yeah, I just just wanted to make that clear. Happy Halloween. Happy Mandalorian Day. Um, and let's get into the sports talk. Uh, we might as well kick that. Uh, oh, I should mention, I, I'm such an idiot. I should mention, of course, that we have a very special guest on today's podcast as well. The stats guy himself, Arun Bhattacharya, for a very good, a very long, but very interesting interview with Arun. Um, I'll just give you the same tease I gave my uh, my uh, Sports on the Hill basketball group chat. Arun is a Washington football team fan, and he always talks about RG3 and uh, how great RG3 was. Well, it turns out that RG3 is not his favorite Washington quarterback of all time. To, stay, to find out who that is, stay tuned, because we've got a great interview with Arun, uh, Mr. Stats Guy himself. Um, but yeah, we talk about the World Series with Arun, so um, we might as well get into um, that first. Um, so we'll just move right in. Let's jump into World Series talk here on Episode 4 of Upon Further Review with Brian Brennan. So the World Series is in the book. The Dodgers have won four games to two, a six-game series. Uh, we'll recap the scores here very quickly. The Dodgers won the first game of the series, eight to three. Clayton Kershaw pitched a gem in that one. Was never really in doubt for the Dodgers. The Rays bounced back in game two. Brandon Lau hit two big home runs, and they were able to fight back and um, tie the series up at one game apiece after game two. Game three, Walker Buehler was really the story for the Dodgers in that one. He was excellent. He struck out 10 in six innings. Um, Dodgers won that game very easily. The only highlight of that game for Tampa Bay was uh, Randy Arazarena tying the rookie or tying the all-time postseason home run record 
with nine, and I believe, or maybe it was eight. Maybe it was eight in that game, and then he hit nine in game four. Either way, Randy Arozarena homered in game three. He homered in game four. He'll homer in game six, too, but we'll get to that in a minute. Um, game four was the crazy game. We talked about that on Monday. Um, Brett Phillips was the hero on the walk-off hit off Kenley Jansen. Um, just a crazy moment for the Rays. Probably the best moment. In, I, I Maybe, I don't know if it's better than that Evan Longoria walk-off home run against the Yankees in 2011. Uh, to get them into the playoffs, but I wonder if this is the greatest moment in Rays franchise history now, and not um, that. Uh, I was thinking that too, like which one is now, because that got them into the postseason, and this got them a huge win in the World Series that they desperately needed, so um, I wonder which ranks is the best moment in Tampa Bay Rays history. It's probably one of those two moments for sure. But it didn't really matter, honestly, because the Dodgers won the next two games. Uh, they won, and they won them by both by two runs each. They run. They won Game Five, four to two. Clayton Kershaw once again um, was really the star of this game for the Dodgers. He was really excellent, and um, yeah, Jock Peterson and Max Muncie hit home runs in Game Five as well. Muncie's home run was a bomb. I mean, that ball was. It's probably still going. Honestly, that was a long home run, and that leads us up to game six and you know it was looking good for Tampa Bay for a while like I mentioned Randy Orozarena hits a home run in the first inning and you're like okay maybe we're gonna get a game seven here and like I said on Monday's show I kind of thought that game six would um, prefer the Tampa Bay Rays just because they were starting Blake Snell as opposed to the Dodgers who were starting Tony Gonsolin who's not an everyday starter uh, in the way that Blake Snell is, so um, I thought this would actually favor the um, the Rays. But um, first off, you have to give a shout out to the Dodgers um, bullpen and pitching staff because they did a good job. Only one earned run allowed, only one run allowed. Rosarena home run in the first inning off of Gonsolin, but then the work of Florio, Wood, Baez, Gonzalez, who gets the win, Gratterall, Arias. Um, they really did a great job shutting the door for this Dodgers team. They they deserve credit as well. Um, but obviously the move that everybody's talking about is in the sixth inning. Blake Snell, let's see, does it say on MLB's Twitter page how many pitches he's thrown? I believe it was like 70. He threw 73 pitches, 48 strikes. Snell was cruising. He'd only given up two hits, struck out nine. And Kevin Cash makes the controversial decision to take Blake Snell out of the ball game and a decision I just do not understand. Still, three days later, still don't understand it. I don't understand what what he's doing. Not you know, this is your ace. He's been cruising. He's only given up two hits to a very potent Dodgers lineup, and you're gonna take him out. Not only are you gonna take him out, you're gonna bring in Nick Anderson, who has given up a postseason, given him a run in every appearance in the postseason. What a I don't I don't get it at all. Just a dumb. Bonehead decision by Kevin Cash, and um, he paid the price for it. The Dodgers scored two runs in the bottom of the sixth inning to take a 2-1 lead, and then Mookie adds the capper, the solo home run. When Mookie hit that home run, the series was over. Like You, you kind of knew at that point that Mookie, like the series was done. The Dodgers, or Rays were crushed, and you could honestly tell that taking Blake Snell out of the game seemed to really take a lot of air out of the sails of the, of the Tampa Bay Rays. Um, they just seemed to lose a lot of fight after that, and they went down pretty easily the rest of the game. They had no offensive fight, really, and this was a low-scoring game. Um, so, like I said, shout-out again to the Dodgers bullpen because they did a great job. But, man, that decision by Kevin Cash will live down in Ray's infamy for sure. Like, it'll, it'll definitely be a black mark 
on um, on this series for sure, and um, definitely a black mark on on his managerial career. Sometimes, you know, I I said this. I'll say this when we have a rune on in the future. Spoiler alert. But sometimes you need to go with your gut and not trust the analytics. Sometimes I think we're a little too analytical in baseball. I feel like we we trust the analytics guys like a little too much when it comes to you know who we're bringing in and whatnot. And I just feel like we do that too much in baseball. Um, just stop with that. Like you need to go with your gut sometimes. And if your gut is telling you that Blake Snell is pitching a great game right now. Who cares if he's going through the order a third time? Like, who cares if that's if that's happening? Like, I, I heard like that. That's what the main reason I heard that they took him out was that he was going through the order for the third time, and Snell didn't really want to, or excuse me, Cash didn't really. He was nervous that you know third time through the order. That's when Blake Snell uh, tends to falter. But you know, I just think it's an overreaction move. It's a it's a gut move, honestly, or it's not a gut move. It's an analytics move, and sometimes analytics are just a little too much in baseball. We saw it. In Game Two of the Yankees Rays series, when um, they took out Davey Garcia and put in Jay Happ, the Yankees did that is, and that move completely backfired. Arguably cost the Yankees the series. Arguably cost the Yankees a further postseason run than they would have gone. And um, it's just to me, I just think it's a little too much for for Kevin Cash. Just a dumb managerial decision that he's being rightly crucified for. He's being rightly criticized for. He deserves to be criticized. And I don't know. Kevin Cash isn't going anywhere as Rays manager. Um, he's done a great job for them. He's been their manager since 2013, I believe, 2014, around then maybe. So he's not going anywhere. He's got a pretty secure job. He just got them to the World Series. But, you know, this will definitely leave a black eye on um, on really everything going on in in um in the Rays organization for sure um definitely um not something it's quote Joe Girardi former Yankee manager current Phillies manager it's not what you want like it's it's really not what you want if you're you know the Tampa Bay Rays Tampa Bay Rays fans if they exist or um Tampa Bay Rays players honestly um just a just not what you want to see um so the series ends Dodgers win 3-1 um so Justin Turner the other main story from this World Series uh, game six is taken out of the game in around the seventh inning or so. And at the time, I was just thinking, okay, well, maybe he's got a hurt back or something, some sort of injury that's probably keeping Justin Turner out of this game. But um, as we go on and as we, you know, get closer to the end of the game, I started want, like something in the back of my mind was like, maybe this is the COVID test that MLB has been waiting for. And sure enough, uh, Kevin Burkhart. He comes out onto the Fox postgame show just after the Dodgers win and announces Justin Turner missed the rest of the game because of a positive COVID test. And you're just like, oh my goodness. Like, what now for Major League Baseball? And my first thought was, what if there was a Game 7? What would they have done if Justin Turner had tested positive and there was a Game 7? And they Would they have delayed it a couple of days? Would they have played it without Justin Turner? Would they have... How would they have managed a game seven going forward, like what would they have done if Tampa Bay had come back in that game as opposed to the Dodgers winning? So MLB basically inches to the finish line here. They get away with the Justin Turner positive COVID test just at the barely, the very end, the very end of the regular season, of the, of the whole season. And so they inch across the finish line. And by the way, what was Manfred? I mean, he looked drunk, honestly. Like what was he doing? Like, when he if you haven't seen it go watch him go watch the video of him presenting the World Series trophy first off he gets booed very roundly 
which I like to see as you know, knowing how badly he screwed up the Astros investigation. That's probably why he got booed because of Dodger fans. But um, he gets booed so loudly in Texas. Uh, we've been waiting for that all season. I miss I miss fan reactions like that. And he just seems so rattled and shook. It looked like he had honestly been drinking a little bit. I don't know. I don't want to accuse him of anything. I don't want to say like he was doing anything malicious or anything like that but it's you know he seemed like he was not sober or I don't know how to describe what he just seemed weird like he just seemed weird and acting weird so um Manfred looks weird and he looks clearly rattled by the news about Justin Turner I mean imagine just finding out about that about one of your star players and then you have to go on the field and present a world series trophy Everything else just feels like less important I feel if if in that in that moment uh if you're if you're um if you're Rob Manfred, excuse me, um but yeah, I I just think um and then um and then then on top of that, Justin Turner, like what do you do? He just co- he comes he just waltzes out on the field about an hour after the game, comes out to celebrate with his teammates, to celebrate with his buddies, and he's sitting next to Dave. He comes uh, sitting next to Dave Roberts without a mask. Dave Roberts is a cancer survivor. This is just a terrible look for Major League Baseball. It's a black eye on. You know, they got through it. They got through the season. I will say there were some hiccups, of course. There was the outbreak with the Marlins at the beginning of the season, and there was the outbreak with the Cardinals at the beginning of the season as well. But they did get through their season. And then to have this happen, it's just a terrible black eye. I know they're investigating, but I really hope they do a better job investigating this than they did the Astros because um, Justin Turner deserves some sort of punishment, I feel. I don't know if he's going to get suspended, but he deserves like maybe a loss of World Series wages or some sort of punishment because you know you cannot be celebrating out on the field with your teammates after testing positive for covid like that you just can't that's incredibly selfish of you we're in a pandemic we're the pandemic is not over like this is still going on like every day people are dying from covid and to just go out there and celebrate on the field with your teammates like nothing's wrong like it's okay you can't do that justin turner you can't do that so I, I, it's just a bad look. It's a bad look for Major League Baseball. It's a bad look for Justin Turner. And like I said, I would find him his whole World Series wages, honestly. Like the World Series winning share. I, I know it's his greatest moment of his life winning the World Series. And he wants to be a part of it. I get it. But you can't. I mean, what is MLB security doing? Like I, I listened to the Michael K show a little bit this week. And um, they were saying that MLB security is mostly made up of you know ex-cops, real tough guys. Guys that don't take crap from anybody. So why are they taking crap from Justin Turner, of all people, and letting him go back on the field to celebrate with his teammates? Just makes no sense to me. It's a dumb decision by Major League Baseball. It's a terrible look, a terrible optic. And, um, you know, they should really all just be ashamed of how they handled this, honestly, on, on what should be a great night for the sport. Congratulations to the Dodgers, by the way. I haven't even said that yet. Congratulations to their ownership group led by Magic Johnson. Um, Magic's now a champion. He said ten times. He's got ten rings or something like that. He's got a ring with the – he's got – all these rings with the Lakers as players and owners. He got a ring with the Sparks. He's got a ring with the Dodgers now. So he's got a lot of rings. But um, just as a whole, this is a black eye for Major League Baseball. And, you know, we should be celebrating the Dodgers and what they accomplished. There's no asterisk on their championship. The same way there's no asterisk on their championship, there's no asterisk on the Lakers championship either. But um, we're, we're, here we are, you know, criticizing Justin Turner. And it's just a bad look for Major League Baseball. And, um, like I said, bad optics, but you know, the world series as a whole, just to wrap this up, 
was great. I really did enjoy the World Series this year. Um, I wish the Yankees were in it, obviously, but um, you know, as you know, this is what we got. This is what we got, and um, they did a good job. Six game World Series, but man, you know, you got to be disappointed with both Kevin Cash. Um, leaving or taking out Blake Snell so early. I don't care what the numbers say. You got to leave him in. And um, you also got to be disappointed in Justin Turner and the Dodgers for allowing Justin Turner to go back out on the field and celebrate like that. Uh, just a dumb decision, in my opinion. But congrats to the Dodgers, World Series champions. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't bet against them winning it at all. Again, next year as well, they're a great team. Um, Mookie Betts, of course, Corey Seager, uh, Jock Peterson, guys like that. Uh, I couldn't remember. Cody Bellinger. I couldn't remember if it was Clay because Clay Bellinger played for the Yankees. But Cody Bellinger, his son, is much is a much better ball player. He's an MVP and now a World Series champion. So um, Clayton Kershaw, of course, World Series champion. Uh, there's a lot of likable, good story. Like Justin Turner should be a likable, good story. He just won his first World Series. But um, fortunately, it's marred by this uh, this dumb decision that he and Major League Baseball allowed to happen. And um, yeah, just a tough look for Major League Baseball. But uh, with that being said, why don't we uh, wrap up baseball talk? There will be plenty of baseball talk in the offseason. There's a lot of moves that need to be made. <coughs> Yankees sign <coughs> DJ LeMayhew. <coughs> but... Um, but yeah, uh, there's still a lot of moves that need to be made in the offseason. So we'll get to we'll talk about a lot of baseball as we move forward. But now it's time to talk about NFL Week Eight. We'll talk a little bit about last night's game and preview the games ahead. All right, so Week Eight of the NFL is underway. Let me get a sip of my coffee before we get started here. That's real radio, folks. That's real podcasting right there. Um, Atlanta beat Carolina last night 25-17. to um, Atlanta, you know, pretty much let – I think Atlanta had a pretty – it was a you know, kind of ugly game. Curtis Samuel had two touchdowns for the Falcons. But um, it was mostly field goals in this one from Koo. Uh, Gurley had a touchdown. And Matt Ryan had an impressive 13-yard touchdown that gave the Falcons the lead. Uh, Falcons avenged. An earlier loss to the Carolina Panthers this season, and um, yeah, so they they um, they obviously needed that win. They're now two and six. Um, they don't blow a lead, so that's kind of surprising, I guess. You know, I guess we kind of expect the Falcons to kind of blow leads at this point. Um, but yeah, um, this was a win for the Falcons in Charlotte. So the pa- Panthers get the win in Atlanta, but the Falcons get the win in Charlotte. Uh, I want to give a shout just you know before I talked about voting and um, how important that is. Since we're on the subject of Charlotte and the Panthers Stadium, I want to give a shout out to my friend Pat Stein who voted at the Carolina Panthers Stadium this week, Bank of America Stadium. So um, that's cool. Uh, if you can vote, like vote any way you can, but if you can vote in an NFL stadium take that opportunity because that's a cool opportunity. I was really impressed that Pat got that opportunity and that chance to vote in an NFL stadium. So it's cool that the Panthers have done that. I wonder how many other NFL teams have turned their stadiums into polling sites. Um, Definitely cool. Sorry the Panthers lost last night, Charlotte, but um, yeah, um, definitely, you know, they're up and down. They're three and five. Um, Teddy, Teddy Bridgewater does look good. Samuel looks good. Wish DJ Moore had some good fantasy points in that game, but um, yeah, that's the that's the scoreline for the week. Um, Falcon for Thursday night football. Falcons win twenty five to seventeen in um, kind of an ugly defensive type 
field goal game. But um, let's get into what's going to happen on this Sunday. I'm just going to go through my picks really quickly for each game leading up to from 1, a, 1 p.m. to Sunday night football. Uh, we'll talk about the Monday night game, which is my team, the Giants versus the Bucks. A little more in depth on Monday's show. So um, we'll talk about the, every game going forward. We'll just do it as, as quickly as we possibly can, starting with the Patriots and the Bills. Um, this is a game the Patriots have to win, I feel. Um, to have any chance to win the AFC East, um, needs to beat the division rivals, um, especially the team that's ahead of them in the division five and two. Buffalo does look good, um, so I am going to go with Buffalo. This game is in Buffalo, so I am going to go with the Bills to beat the Patriots in what I think will be a good game. Buffalo is favored by four points, but I think this will be a good, close game. But I still think Bills win. Uh, Titans, Bengals, no question in my mind who's going to win this one. I think Tennessee's got it. They're five-and-a-half-point favorites. Um, Joe Burrow did look great against the Browns in his last game, but I um, still think Tennessee's overall the better team, even after their loss to the Steelers last week. So I am going to go with the Titans in this one to get their sixth win of the season and improve to 6-1. and one. Uh, Raiders-Browns is kind of an interesting game. The Browns are two-and-a-half-point favorites, but I'd say these teams are fairly evenly matched. Um, the Raiders did beat the Chiefs a few weeks ago, but they did lose to the Bucks in their last game. This one's tough to call. I'm going to go with Cleveland um, because, because they're at home. Uh, I am going to go with the Browns in this one, but I do think this will be the one of the best games of the weekend for sure. One of the low-key, underrated best games of the weekend for sure is this one between the Raiders and the Browns, I feel. Um, Colts-Lions is another interesting one. Uh, Colts are 4-2. and two, Lions are 3-3. Three and three. Game is in Detroit. Detroit's coming off that big win against Atlanta where they won at the last second. Um, I'm going to go with... Ooh, this one's tough. This one's a toss-up, folks. Uh, I'm going to go with the Colts uh, just, just because they're the favorites. They're three-point favorites. Um... I'll go with them and Phillip Rivers to get the win. Um, I, I, you know, Their offense is kind of struggling, but I do think they are better than the Lions. So um, I'll go with that one. Vikings-Packers, two teams going in the opposite direction, uh, which I'm sure makes Packers fans very happy to see the Vikings struggle. Um, the Packers are 5-1. and one, The Vikings are 1-5. and five. I'm going to go with the Packers in this one to get the win. Uh, they looked good last week against Houston. Minnesota just continues to struggle. So uh, I'm going to go with the Packers to win that game. Uh, and improved to 6-1. and one. And now, the matchup we've all been waiting for. This is the game, I mean, how can you not be excited for this game? The 0-7 New York Jets versus the 6-1 and one Kansas City Chiefs. This is the showdown of ultimate destiny, folks. This is, Kansas City is a 19.5 point favorite. 19 and a half. A 19 and a half point favorite. So anyway, I'm picking the Jets. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Kansas City's going to crush them. Kansas City's going to just annihilate the Jets in this game. Uh, it's not even going to be close. Kansas City by a lot. Uh, Rams-Dolphins. Got to go with the... This is. I'm excited for this game as a lefty because this is Tua's first start. Um, I hope Tua does well. I think it'll be tough against a good Rams team. Rams have flown East Coast or West Coast to East Coast quite a bit this season already, and they're doing it again. Uh, but I will go with the Rams to improve to 6-2 and two in this game and uh, get their win against the Miami Dolphins. Uh, this is, you know, I joked about it with the Jets and the Chiefs, but this is actually the best game of the weekend. At 1 o'clock, 6-0 six, six Pittsburgh Steelers against 5-1 Baltimore Ravens. 
I'm really excited for this game. I know Tim is excited for this game, too. I know a lot of Ravens fans have been looking forward to this one. It's in Baltimore, right up the road from me. Um, let's Why not? Let's roll with the Ravens this one. Ravens are four-point favorites. Wow, that's, that's a lot. Four-point favorites for, are the Baltimore Ravens. And, um, yeah, I'm going to go with the Ravens in this one. Uh, I think it'll be a good game, but uh, I will pick Baltimore to win and Steelers' undefeated streak to end. Uh, meaning there will be no more undefeated teams in the NFL after this week. So um, enjoy it while you can, Steelers fans. So then we have three 4 o'clock games, uh, starting with the Chargers and the Broncos. Two 2-4 two teams. I don't really have too much to say about this one, but I will go with the Chargers to win this game in Denver. Uh, even though it snowed there last week, it didn't seem to affect Kansas City very much, and I'd imagine if it snows this week, it won't affect uh, Los Angeles very much either. Um Saints Bears is the next game. Um, I know my roommate's a Bears fan, and my good friend Michael Edgley is also a um, a Saints fan. So there's a lot of bad blood in this game. So uh, I'm going to go with the Saints to win this game. Uh, I think the Bears struggled a bit last week. I feel like they're coming back to earth a little bit, and um, the Saints are for real a very good team. The game is in Chicago, but I think the Saints get the win. We'll see if Michael Thomas is back in time, but. Um, even if he isn't, I still think the Saints will win. Uh, 49ers Seahawks. Um, this is the another good game. The NFC West is just so good. Uh, Seahawks coming off that loss to the Cardinals on Sunday Night Football. Uh, I'm gonna go with the, the Seahawks in this one um, just to get the rebound and bounce back win. The game is in Seattle. I'm looking forward to that game. Uh, I'm looking forward to watching it on Sunday on Red Zone. So um, that's my pick for the, the – that, that could honestly be a Sunday night game. I know they just put the Seahawks on Sunday night football last week, but that could definitely be a Sunday night football game. Um, and speaking of Sunday night football games, we have one of the worst of the season this year or this week when the Eagles, 2-4-1, and one, take on the Cowboys, 2-5. and five. NFC East is just a joke, folks. Like I don't understand why we even take it seriously, but the NFC East is just pathetic and an absolute joke. So, um, you know, this game is awful. I, I don't I don't know, even know why we have to pick it. Philadelphia is a nine-point favorite. I guess they're assuming, like, Ben DiNucci is going to play. If Ben DiNucci plays, then I'm definitely picking the Eagles. I'm definitely – but if Andy Dalton plays, I feel like it will be a closer game. Uh, I don't know. I'll go with the Eagles. I'll go with Philly. I think they're the better team right now, at least. The Cowboys just look like a mess. Nothing is going the Cowboys' way. One of these teams has to win the division, right? Like, one of these teams has to win the NFC East. So, um, yeah, I might, might as well go with the Philadelphia Eagles. As much as I don't like either team, uh, I will go with the Philadelphia Eagles to win this game. And uh, that wraps up your Sunday preview as quickly as I possibly could there. Uh, just previewing who I think is going to win each game, recapping the Falcons-Panthers game. Uh, we got a lot to look forward to this week. Um, there's a lot of storylines coming out of the NFL this year. Like I said, that Steelers-Ravens game, what a great game. That's the matchup to watch this weekend for sure. Um, but, yeah, um, you know, one team that isn't playing this week is the Washington football team. They're on a bye, and I figure this would be a good transition into our interview with Arun Bhattacharya, who is a Washington football team fan. Um, and among, among other teams, he also likes the Wizards. He also likes the Nats, the Caps. So he's a DC fan first. So I figure this is a good transition into our interview with Arun. And um, I figure we might as well start there. So uh, without further ado, 
Hope you enjoy this interview with Aru. We break down the World Series. We break down fantasy football talk, some NFL talk as well, some NBA talk. We have time for it all. Uh, really hope you enjoyed this interview. I really enjoyed it, uh, recording it with Arun. So uh, enjoy. This is the interview with Arun Bacharya. Obviously, it's a big decision. Uh, we're, we're recording this on Wednesday, even though this will come out on Friday. We're recording this Wednesday night. Uh, but obviously, the big decision was um, Kevin Cash. Uh, deciding not to take out or deciding to take out Blake Snell at only 70 something pitches last night. Um, what, were your, what were your thoughts on that? Like before we talk about those series as a whole, what were your thoughts on that? I mean, obviously at the time it just felt like a weird decision to take out Snell. He had given up, I think that was the second hit that he gave up at that point. They had one out. Maybe there were like no outs, maybe taken, but even then he, he barely, I mean, he's, was barely done. I think, I think the justification at the time I thought I was having is he was going to use Snell on Game Seven. That's like the only thing I could think of at the time, and otherwise it was just like a really bizarre decision. Yeah, it made no sense to me. Honestly, I thought it was like overmanaging to the absolute like worst possible way. Um, just a dumb decision overall by Cash. I felt um, you know you, sometimes you got to go with you know what the what your gut tells you as opposed to what the analytics in baseball are telling you and uh we're seeing too much of that these, these days in baseball you know I, I listened to radio shows today and they were talking about how analytics seem to be killing baseball i mean i saw it as a yankee fan in game two of the series against tampa bay when they took out davy garcia and then put in jay Happ. um yeah i, I analytics just seems to be almost just crushing the game a little bit. What are you, do you have any thoughts on that, Arun? Um, I mean, it's probably, you, you really notice it when something bad happens. I bet there's like analytics for the Dodgers that worked out probably that they don't, they're not going to talk about because they don't want to like reveal whatever they're getting from their data. But I think yeah. this cat, I just think it was just a bad managerial decision. It reminded me, you bring up Dusty Baker in the past, like when, it kind of reminded me, like, in the past when Dusty Baker would take out a pitcher too soon it was like, a starter. I think he just, like, was overmanaging it. Yeah. that That's, like, I think it was just, like, more just a managerial mistake than anything. I don't know if it's, like, anti-analytics to me. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it is. It's definitely a huge mistake by Cash. Um, he's not going anywhere. He'll be the Rays manager next season no matter what. But definitely um, – Definitely a blemish on his resume for sure after this uh, after this decision to take out Snell so early and bring in Anderson of all people and Anderson was really struggling in the postseason so I don't really understand the decision there to take out Snell and bring in Anderson just dumb managerial decisions overall um, so what were your thoughts on the series like we'll talk a little bit more about um, the, what happened after Game Six the controversy that ensued there but. You, know, you mentioned game four a little bit. What were your thoughts on games one through five of this series? I mean, they were all pretty good, pretty close games. It was a good series. It was a good World Series. Um, what, what are your thoughts on like games one through five of the series? Um, I guess like Kershaw, he's like really stood out in terms of pitching, just like the dramatic differences in performances. And obviously, I guess that ending in game four was pretty crazy. Like all the things that have to happen, like, um, 
Where do you like? What? How do you rank that game all time, though? I mean, I, we talked about this on Robbie's show on Monday, but that game's—it's kind of hard to rank that game all time, don't, don't you think? I think it's not very high to me, just because it wasn't like a game seven. Like that's like right. it's like kind of like when the Yankees came back in like the Diamondback series, like all those times, like like one of those games that like oh like I mean, those those games were awesome. Yeah, yeah, but, like um, it's like you remember them, but it's not like because you don't win the World Series and like then it's like kind of not remembered. Like it's kind of like Miami, Jimmy Butler. Like just more recently, like that, yeah. Like that's a, one of those great performances, but it didn't like. It wasn't like uh, Buckner, where like the next game, then the Red Sox like blow it or whatever. So it's like if the if the Rays had won the series, or even if they got to like I don't know if it was three two and they were up three two, then it would have felt like even a bigger deal. But the fact that they lost the next two games was kind of like, yeah. It, I don't think it's going to remain up there maybe because it's just like it's pretty recent like people are going to talk about it but i'll be surprised if we're talking about it like that dramatically in like 10 years like with the gibson and like i see yeah like i saw people saying like this is the greatest world series game of all time and i'm just like chill out like no it is not like do, do we all forget game seven indians cubs a few years ago that's arguably the best baseball game ever and like to even put it even remotely close to that is just laughable. But um, I agree with you on um, on Kershaw. Uh, Kershaw, you know, he really needed a big postseason to solidify his legacy. I feel, and um, he had it this year. I it kind of reminded me a little bit. Of, he went four and one. Uh, it kind of reminded me a little bit of Strasburg last year. You might remember he went five and zero oh for the Nationals. So uh, Strasburg did a little bit better last year for the Nats, but. Um, this was a great job by Kershaw. Um, you know, he's, he's been a, a great, you know, it's, he's a Hall of Famer. He's one of the best pitchers of our era, one of the best pitchers arguably of all time. And um, this was huge for him. So congrats to Clayton Kershaw. I, I got to say that for sure. Congrats to Clayton Kershaw on his first ring. Um, so we might as well get into um, what happened, everything that happened after the game. Um it's just a, a pretty pretty crazy turn of events. Um, I, we'll start with uh, Justin Turner comes out of the game kind of surprisingly. I mean, when we when just when I saw that Justin Turner was out of the game, I thought that he was like I thought he was like an injury or something like that. But um, then it turns out uh, we find out Dodgers win. Uh, we go to the post game show. Kevin Burkhart announces on Fox that uh, Justin Turner tested positive for COVID-19. And so that obviously kind of mars the celebration. And then on top of that, Justin Turner goes out onto the field after being in isolation. And, um, and he goes and he goes and celebrates with his team. I mean, Arun, what, I mean, what were your thoughts on this? I know you're, you're like to keep pretty safe from COVID-19. I mean, what, what were your thoughts when you saw this from Turner? It was just like, I mean, it was weird that it happened that quickly, like that Turner was taken out of the game on the positive test. I'm, I think I'm not sure, like, even though he got a positive COVID test, I'm still not sure that he actually has it because like just Juan Soto, for instance, he got like a false positive. That being said, it was kind of weird that he was celebrating with the team and they're all without the mask. And 
Yeah. And then like the fact he was, sitting next to, he was sitting next to Dave Roberts, who's a cancer survivor without a mask. Like, what do you, it just seems so weird to me. Yeah. I think it was just like, maybe they don't really take masks that seriously, especially like since like all it takes is like one person and you get like everyone's perception of the team changes. Yeah. So like, I, it was just kind of bizarre, but I mean, it's not that unexpected. Like a lot of people in this country are not taking masks that seriously in that sense. So that's for sure. That's for sure true. Um, not to get political, of course, but um, <laughs> whatever, whatever. Uh, it's all good. Um, but um, well, I mean, I, I agree with everything you said. Like they, it seemed like the Dodgers weren't really taking it seriously. I mean, there there were. Wearing, it was kind of like a lot of them were wearing masks, and it just seemed like kind of like a surreal moment in 2020. Like, here's a team celebrating a championship, wearing masks on the field. It just seemed like a kind of moment you only get in 2020. Um, it was pretty nuts. Um, so what would you give Major League Baseball, like, grade-wise? Because we were talking in our group chat today. Robbie said that um, – that he would give the NBA and the NHL A's for how they handled COVID. And I agree with him. I think they both deserve A's. But what would you give Major League Baseball? He said he'd give it a C. I mean, what would you give? I personally, maybe like a B area. Like, I mean, they had the outbreak at the beginning of the season with the Marlins and the Cardinals. But really, there was nothing for two months until Justin Turner last night. And, um, yeah, what do you think about how baseball handled COVID this year? I mean, crazy situations, of course, but how do you think they handled it? I'd give it like a B minus. Uh, they could have done better. I don't really. I think they handled the playoffs like they wasn't a bubble. Like there wasn't much different they could do, and because of that, I'm a little bit skeptical. I mean, there's a chance he did get COVID. He has gotten COVID. But I'm also like. Because of the thing, like there are, have been false positives before, so it'll be interesting to see yeah. what happens with that. And even if he did get COVID, they did finish the season, and in the first week of the season, that didn't look likely. I don't really think there was even that many COVID cases during the regular season. Surprisingly, like after, despite those first like couple of weeks, so what they did did handle the Marlins thing pretty poorly. So. That definitely docks them, but they did finish the season, which I think a lot of people would have said that was surprising after the first week of the season. Yeah. I mean, and especially considering what happened at the end, too, with Justin Turner to just barely inch across the finish line there. What do you think would have happened? Like, I've been thinking this since last night. What do you think would have happened? Let's say Tampa Bay comes back. Justin Turner tests positive for the coronavirus. They have to play a game seven. Do you think Game Seven would have been delayed uh, by a couple days? Do you think Game Seven would have? Do you think they would have played it, but just without Justin Turner? Uh, what do you What do you think would have happened? I think they would have delayed it a couple of days. Um, I think <clears throat> they may have done it as little as like three days. I feel like part of the reason they might not not have done it on Thursdays because of Thursday night football, which would have been funny. But like. Yeah. I think Turner would not have played. Like, they wouldn't have waited that long for that, to, like, for him to clear. But that would have also been really weird. It was weird when he came out of the game because there was a ball to third base, and that if that had been, like, an error or something, it would have been pretty, like, weird. Yeah. So, like, I think in that sense, like, they got super lucky that it didn't decide any games, like, 
that the Dodgers ended up holding on. Like, if, imagine if the Rays had somebody come out with COVID and then they ended up losing, like, Azarena or something. That would have been really crazy. Terrible. <laughs> crazy. Um, I mean, uh, let's talk about Tampa just a little bit before we move into NFL talk and fantasy football talk. Um, I mean, Tampa had a great run to the World Series. They beat my Yankees, as you know. They overcame the Astros, nearly coming back from a 3-0 deficit. They pushed the Dodgers to six games. Randy Rosarena was incredible. I mean, do you have any thoughts on Tampa? I mean, they, they had a, a great run to the World Series. They, they, I hate the Rays. As you all know, I am very anti-Rays. But I will say they earned my respect with this World Series run. They had a great run to the World Series, and they deserve a lot of respect. Uh, do you have any thoughts on Tampa? I think they peaked against the Yankees, and then I don't know. Like I feel like the Yankees were a bit unlucky. Uh, I know you're a Yankees fan, but still, like the Astros, like kind of showed that the Rays were like like coming back from three zero. That probably should not have happened. Right. Yeah, no, I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying like it feels like like that was kind of the start honestly of kind of the downfall of Tampa Bay was Astros coming back from 3-0 down to make it a game seven but you know ultimately they did win that game I feel like this game six is like sticking out too just like that like if the Rays had won game six maybe I'd feel like a little bit more differently but just like the way that they lost that they had like a one nothing lead that like they probably like I don't know like even the offense like they were saying during the game that Tampa wasn't making any offensive adjustments. I'm like, why? We've only scored like one run in this game. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it was like kind of like I feel like they were outmanaged, like even before taking out Snell, like a little bit, and then it became even more dramatic when that happened. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I agree. Um, it, yeah, they definitely got outmanaged in a lot of big spots. And Dave Roberts is a great manager, so he deserves a lot of respect as well. But um, I like to see Kevin Cash fail, so I'm good with that. Um, all right, we might as well – well, first off, I, I feel bad because at the beginning, you know, when I had Tim and when I had uh, Matt on, I let them kind of say what teams they like in their favorite sports moments, and I forgot to do that with you. So if you want to give the people your favorite sports moments and your favorite teams, uh, go uh, ahead. That's a pretty big question. Uh, <laughs> I guess um, for, it would have to be, I guess, like the Nats or the, and the Caps winning the Cup. I did watch the Washington yeah. football team win in the nineties. It wasn't that big of a deal because I was like eight, but uh, still, and that's, that's three you've seen, I guess. And then I guess Villanova winning two championships was, I was, I was in Villanova yes. the first one, which was not like in school, but I was like in campus. And that was pretty, I think that's probably the most memorable. Cause like that buzzer beater was pretty crazy. And like everyone thought like, it was like going to OT or like North Carolina was going to come back or in that game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I remember that game. I actually lived in North Carolina at the time of that game and I worked very early in the morning and I remember working with some very, very depressed and tired Tar Heel fans that morning. Um, they were not in a good mood after that game. Um, so let's talk a little fantasy football. Um, if you've been keeping up with our podcast so far, you uh, probably know that I'm in a, a, a fantasy football league with Arun and with Mike and with Tim and um, with Matt as well. Um, and it's been a very interesting and entertaining year. I mean, Arun is new to the league, so I was really happy to add Arun to our fantasy football league and Tim. 
Uh, after knowing them for these last couple of years, I was really happy to get them in our fantasy league. Um, but um, it's just been a very entertaining year. Uh, Arun, I'm just looking at the standings right now. Um, you have fallen to four and three. You're in fourth place behind me. Uh, talk about what's given your fantasy team some success this season. Um, I think the success came early on in the season um, when, uh, like, my guys were healthy. <laughs> yeah. uh, Cook, Cook especially was, a, like, the big part. And then Julio early in the season. Calvin Ridley was great. And he had, like, a little bit of a hiccup, and now he's back to normal. My QB play has not been really that good. Like I drafted Matt Ryan and Carson Wentz. They've been kind of disappointing. And I think I was fortunate in the beginning of the season with my schedule a little bit, but I did pull out enough wins. But I think pretty much everyone in my starting lineup, they haven't had season ending injuries, but they've all missed games. I think that's like the biggest thing for my season. Which yeah. is like, I think it's been since I changed my name to RG3. Like, I think <laughs> I have to ch- rechange my name. Oh, yeah. I, I should have, when I asked for your favorite um, teams and your favorite uh, sports memories, I should have asked who your favorite uh, Washington quarterback was. Oh, I think it's probably, it's this a, is weird. It's probably Brad Johnson, which is like, I was no, RG3 is just like a running. I know Carol doesn't like RG3. Yes. <laughs> I mean, RG3 was kind of heading in that territory, but like, I think he was kind of uh, like, what like asking for punishment in the sense like he would like taunt people on the sidelines like hit me so you can get the 15 yard penalty he never learned how to slide he was great as i think he's definitely had the biggest peak of any washington quarterback that i've seen i mean maybe other than Griffin, i guess also one of the biggest downfalls for sure also one of the yeah i think like the fact that he didn't ask out of the game it was pretty obvious like Everyone, I was like one of those moments. It's like the Kevin Cash moment. Like everyone's like, take him out of the game, kind of thing. And it was like pretty yeah. obvious to everyone who's watching. And uh, I mean, I don't blame him for that, but just like he could have still been like a serviceable quarterback. He's definitely really, really fallen off. Like he just takes too many hits. You know, he's not really a pocket passer. And like everything that they, no. I didn't actually like the acquisition of RG3 at the time because it was like they traded up, but it's weird. The Rams never really, none of their picks like panned out either that they got from Washington. So it was like one of those weird trades where like, I guess it worked out for Washington in some sense, but it was just like a really, I don't, I think Washington would have drafted better. I mean, it didn't, it didn't work out, but it, I mean, I don't know if it worked out, but it definitely, like, it wasn't a total. There definitely been, like, worse transactions, specifically, like, the Wizards. Yes, I don't we're know. talking about the Washington football team here. We're talking about the Washington <laughs> football team. Uh, yeah, so uh, why don't we talk, before we wrap up, um, why don't we talk a little bit about the Washington football team, because I know you're a fan of them, too. Um, they just beat Dallas 25-3. to uh, they have a bye week now, and then they play uh, the Giants. So um, check check me out on Robbie's podcast on Monday. I'm going to be previewing the Giants game with them. Uh, so looking forward to that. But um, what do you think about WFT as they kind of uh, roll through this just god-awful NFC East division? What, what do you think about it as, as a Washington um, I mean, it's kind of weird. This is the season where I've definitely been the most pessimistic about Washington ever, but they're – already exceeded my expectations which is hard to believe <laughs> so i mean they yeah. got their 
that's honestly kind of how I feel about the Giants too. Like they've kind of exceeded my expectations. <laughs> only won a game. Yeah, and like the I think more that I take away from this week is that Dallas is really bad. Like their offensive line is like really terrible. Like the they they barely scored against the Cardinals. So I'm wondering if it's a Dallas thing or is Washington's defense that great? But I'm yeah. I do feel like. Sherp, like he's a Pro Bowl guard. He came back. So the running game, like Gibson, I did buy into Gibson's stock like early on, but I don't know about like Kyle Allen so much. Like he did look, he has looked serviceable at times against the Giants and for, for the most part against the Cowboys. I'm just like not sure what to believe. Like the, the, like yeah. the pastor, Dallas's defense is pretty awful. Like so. Yeah, you never know what team's going to show up, right, with, with Washington. I've seen them a little bit this season. Um, I, w- I will say most of the time it's the bad team, but um, you never know which which team's going to show up. Do you have any, like, general thoughts on the NFL? Like, I mean, I know you, you're pretty in tune to the rest of the NFL, too. And, uh, I, I'm, yeah, we'll, we'll get to – I might as well, while I have you on the line, ask an NBA question, too. But uh, first, with the NFL, um, what, what, how, what are your thoughts on the NFL as a I think, so like, season? just generally, it's been. I think the NFL is definitely doing a better job than the baseball, a little bit better with like in terms of COVID outbreaks. Like, I think the AFC is playing really great. Like, um, Tom Brady's back from. I thought he didn't look great against the Saints, but now he's had like a five touchdown game. I don't know what's going on there. Maybe it's like. <laughs> he's woken up and then Antonio Brown's coming up. back which is pretty crazy yes um, there's like so much going on in the NFL like the Chiefs they look like on paper they're the favorites I don't know if they're like mentally checked out a little bit because it's hard to win back-to-back championships um, the Ravens I mean I have Lamar Jackson in my other league and he's been like a little bit like disappointing in terms of like he hasn't hooked up with Hollywood Brown as much, and he's looks like he's a good receiver. So, yeah, you know, we we talked about Hollywood Brown when Tim and Mike were on. We talked about Hollywood Brown too, and now we all think he's going to be a really legit receiver in the NFL. Um, yeah, it would be nice to see Lamar throw to him a little bit more. Now. And then just like yeah. the NFC West, like everyone's good in the NFC West, and yeah, and as we've talked about, the NFC East is just like really awful. You'd think they'd just be like. I guess, like, the Eagles are picking it up a little Horrible. bit, but even then, like, that's pretty awful that they're the division leader. <laughs> yeah, it's just a mess. Um, the Eagles got lucky, man. The I will say the Eagles got lucky in that game against the Giants, man. I, I Giants should have won that game. They had a 10-point lead with four minutes to go, and they blew it. Uh, just another bad loss for the Giants. Um, so since uh, I, I might as well, uh, I was going to wrap up with NFL, but I realize I've got the NBA stats guy on the line. So I might as well ask him some NBA questions uh, as Varun is part of our NBA roundtable on Sports on the Hill, too. So he's a big NBA guy as well. So um, Arun, what are you thinking when it comes to um, the NBA season starting? We've seen um, there's I've heard that there could be an announcement as early as tomorrow that we could be starting around Christmas. Um, what are you thinking about the NBA when it's coming back? Uh, do you think LeBron James and players like that will play if it comes back around Christmas? Uh, what do you um, think? I think, I don't know, like, I 
based on like my math, I think that would be like fine to come back in December. Maybe LeBron doesn't play, but um, they do want to like potentially send an Olympic team over. And if they start the season too late, then they won't be able to do that. On the other hand, they're probably not going to get fans over like in the stadium in the winter. Um, everyone's also like, again, with COVID, the thing is it might like spread more in the winter than in the warmer months. So maybe that's the reason they should put it off. But I don't know. I'm also would be fine if they started later and pushed like as a fan personally, I wouldn't mind if they pushed it back and they had a shorter regular season, but the NBA does want to maintain its revenue streams, but it's hard to going to maintain its revenue streams if they have no fans. So, so I, I don't know. Right. You, you mentioned, you mentioned the Olympics too. I, I feel like they really want to be in the Olympics. I don't even, I can't even say for sure that we're even going to have an Olympics next year, honestly. So like, but it seems like that's what they really are set on. They really want to have players at the, the Olympics in Tokyo next year, if there is an Olympics next year. Um, so that seems to be one of the NBA's goals. Um, I mean, I mean, LeBron James said it this week. Um, or not, I'm sorry, LeBron James didn't say it. Danny Green said LeBron James probably wouldn't play the first couple of weeks of the season if they were to do this. So, um, you know, I, I think it would be interesting to see. And like I said, like you said, Arun, um, a lot of it has to play with the virus and, and how that's going to go. Um, the virus has more questions than answers right now. So um, but it all depends really on how that goes. Um, and I guess the NBA will take it from there. But I, we'll see about the announcement. I've, I've, like I said, I've heard that it could be an announcement as early as this week. Uh, possibly even before this episode drops. So um, that'd be pretty exciting. But um, if it is, I'll, I'll talk about it then. And um, that, that's pretty much all I want to, to get down with, with Arun. Um, Arun, do you have anything else you want to add? Like, do you have any, like, final takes on sports? Do you have any, like, shout-outs to RG3? <laughs> uh, what do you want to make? RG3? No, nah, I haven't been checking his Twitter timeline lately. Like, it's just... It's always amazing, like, he tweets out this, like, really weird stuff, and then, like, some haters, like, at the top, like, <laughs> great comeback. That's, like, the great thing about RG3, just keeps, like, talking. Like, it's kind of like when he was quarterback that second year, just kept on, like, talking, and they weren't, like, any good. It's, like, it'd be like if Daniel Jones was, like, talking to the press right now when they're, like, they've only won a game. Yeah. Or yeah, or Haskins, Haskins or yeah, I don't know, like, that Haskins thing is just weird, <laughs> that's a weird thing. It's a new story with Haskins every day, it feels like, I don't know what Yeah, I think people just like talking about the quarterback position, it's probably fine to just, like, change the quarterback, but then, like, it's become, like, a very big polarizing issue in D.C., like, whatever it is. <laughs> yeah, of course, of course, I mean, that's just how it always is. But um, do you, do you have anything else to add before you uh, uh, sign up, before we sign off tonight? Not really. Just like overall, I think I I think it was a pretty good, legitimate championship for the Dodgers, even though it was a weird season. Obviously, it's a like it's might be an asterisk, but it wasn't because it was any easier. Like the Lakers, like season, like in some ways it was harder. Right. Um, hoping that this COVID thing ends and they'll get fans back in the stands, but it's better to be safe than like the other the alternative right of, of course 
Um, well, well, thank you, Arun. I really appreciate you coming on. You're always, I mean, I'm glad this was your first time on a pod for the review with Brian Brennan. Uh, you're welcome back anytime you want. Um, glad we, I, we recorded through anchor. So shout out to anchor, uh, for enabling us to record, even though Arun is uh, at his house and I am at my apartment. So first remote interview. Sure. Arun, thanks for having thank me on. Thank you very much. thank Arun for joining us on this episode of Upon Further Review with Brian Brennan. Uh, before I sign off, I just have one quick final message uh, that I want to relay to um, the city of New York and Mayor Bill de Blasio, my hometown. Uh, even though I'm not a Mets fan, I just want to say, Bill de Blasio, if you block this sale of Steve Cohen buying the Mets, you are absolutely evil and you should never be reelected in a million years. You'll have lost the Queen's vote. You, it's just like, it's a terrible decision to not allow. Like, and I feel like they're, they're trying to do it. I feel like they don't want Steve Cohen to buy the Mets. I feel like they want A-Rod and J-Lo. But the best thing for the Mets would be if Steve Cohen buys them. And... You know, so that'd be good for them for spending money. It'd be good for baseball in New York, and it's something I personally want to see after their ter- years and years of terrible ownership at the hands of the Wilpons. And Bill De Blasio, the mayor of New York, might block it. Just seems like a ridiculous decision to me. So um, if I can close this episode out with one thing, I just want to say, Bill De Blasio, please do not block the sale of the Mets. To Steve Cohen, um, he deserves the team. He's rich, very, very rich man who is going to do great. Th- I really think he's going to do very good things for the Mets. So uh, I want to see him buy the team, even though I'm not a Mets fan in any way, shape, or form. Uh, I do want to see Steve Cohen get his team after years and years of pushing for it. And um, that's pretty much all I have to say on as as a wrap up of this episode. So just, once again, Bill De Blasio, do not. Do it. Do not block Steve Cohen from buying the Mets. Uh, that's pretty much all I have to say. Thank you to Arun for joining us today on this episode of Upon Further Review with Brian Brennan. I feel like we talked about a lot. It was a really great episode. Uh, like I said, I feel like this could be our best episode yet. So um, if you enjoyed it as much as I did, uh, please let me know. Uh, we're now on iTunes. We're now on Apple Podcasts, which is exciting. Um, I, I, I think the only reason we weren't on there was because I had uh, the song Sunday Best. Uh, which is a great song, by the way. Shout out to Surfaces. But um, unfortunately, I can't really... If I want to have this podcast on Apple and iTunes, uh, I can't really have music because um, that's only limited to Spotify. So moving forward, there will be no music, just these transitions that you hopefully love so much. And um, yeah, that's pretty much all I have to say. Uh, Thank you for listening to episode four. We'll be back with episode five on Monday, recapping everything that happened in the NFL and more potential breaking sports news. Um, Thank you for listening, folks. Have a good one. Talk to you next time.